It's hard to believe that you're only 18 years old and you've been told you'll spend the rest of your life in this facility. What I believe is it's possible that I could be here the rest of my life. I'm working on my pill to this day. And but you say me 18, it's people here 16 years old with, with natural lives. You know, 17. They ain't having established nothing in the world. You know, but growing up. And they stuck in here with a natural life, you know. I mean, it needs to change. Something has to change. There's uh, some mothers out there that their sons may be buried. And sometimes I feel like that with Corey, that it's just, it, it, it's a part of me, you know, I feel like, you know, because he's so much of him being, so much taken out from, taken away from him, from, uh, you know, being incarcerated for the rest of his life. Sometimes you feel like he's dead? Well, a part of him, you know, because he's out, you know, he's, out, he's, he's not out here in the real world like he would say it, you know, and uh, he's missing out on a, a, a whole lot. What's going on, good people? It's your boy, Inspires the Block, and you have tuned in to Correct the Felon Podcast. I'm your boy, your cousin, your brother from around the corner, that guy, the big deal, Corey, or on social media, better known as Inspires the Block. And uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the podcast tonight. Um, I got some housekeeping real quick. Make sure everybody go uh, check out LibreTV.co. That's our new platform that we created because YouTube kicked us off and we're doing major things over there. It's a platform for everybody who feels like they don't have a voice. So go check it out. Number two is I'm pissed off right now because my goddamn lions getting rid of Matthew Stafford. But that's a whole nother conversation that we're going to have in the future. But, you know, just welcome everybody. I want to get straight off into it. What I want to talk about tonight, right, is real criminal justice reform. One of the things that pisses me off all the time when it comes to politicians is that they run on these platforms and they never ask their constituents what do they want they so arrogant and so full of shit they tell the people what they going to do for them what they think that is best for them instead of asking them what it is do they think that they need and one of the things that i want to talk about tonight is i want to come from a perspective because i've been to prison I've been incarcerated. I did over 17 years in prison. And what I want to talk about today is criminal justice reform from the perspective of somebody who's been there. 
not somebody who has never experienced what it's like being caught up in the criminal justice system. Nobody who has never been arrested. Nobody who knows nobody that's been arrested or nobody that's incarcerated right now. And the injustices from this system that they suffer continuously. So what was it back in 2018? Uh, Donald Trump uh, passed, first presented, then passed the First Step Act. And I'm always going to salute and appreciate when good work is done. And then right now in this new administration, uh, President Biden has a proposal when it deals with criminal justice reform, how he wants to do it. But once again, the problem is this here. No one asks the people who's been caught up in the criminal justice system. What do they want? Now, I'm going to outline some things, OK, that I believe that will make criminal justice reform better. I'm going to outline some things that will help our society for those that are reentering back into it to be successful. Now, back first, I want to go back and show you back in 2018, the Justice Department up under President uh, Trump, they did what is called a update on prison prisoner recidivism, a nine year follow up. At one point in time, they only went to uh, five years, but now they didn't went up to nine years. And what they're saying is that after nine years of a person being released from prison, the chance of them recidiv or, or, or recidiv recidivism rate drops dramatically for that person or the likelihood of them going back to prison is very slim after nine years of release. And so what I want to talk about is that if that is the standard and I'm OK with that, I'm actually on my ninth year release. I've never gotten in trouble with the uh, with the law. I've I probably caught a couple of speeding tickets. Well, who don't catch that shit? All of us do. A couple of parking tickets, but I've never had any interaction with the law when it comes to me uh, going back to prison or going back to jail in any form of capacity. Like I don't even go back, not even to visit nobody. If you go to jail, you know me. You're on your own. I'm not doing it. I may send you a couple of dollars. May write you a, light, a letter from here and there. But I'm not even going back to visit nobody. And so since this is a standard that they feel like they've come up, they've uh, followed these particular they followed. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was over 400,000 people that were released from 2005 to 2014. And they noticed that first in the uh, four and nine or 44 percent of people released in 2005 were arrested at least once during this period. And once again, as they continue to stay out longer, uh, the chances of them are going back to prison is it diminishes. So what I want to talk about, if this is the standard, somebody has been out for nine years and they had no trouble with the law, then I believe they should have full restoration of rights back into society. Let me point out a couple of things that I think that they should have. One of the number one problems that ex-cons have when we entering back in society is housing. If you've been convicted of a felony, you can't rent a property. When you think about that, it's like, how in the hell is a person supposed to survive if he can't find somewhere to stay? Like, this is asinine. This is crazy. Don't get it twisted. People have the right to rent who they want to. But if we really want to dig into making sure that people don't return back to their criminal lifestyle or the lifestyle that they once lived before they be uh, before they got incarcerated, then there should be systems in place so that people can be successful when they return to society. And the number one is housing. Like, why wouldn't you want somebody 
to have somewhere to stay. If they can't get a place of their own, then can you understand the mentality that they're going to have when they're trying to reestablish themselves back into society if they can't get their own place, even though they can afford it? Because one thing has happened in our society is that people are being more lenient, more companies are being more lenient to people with felonies. It's starting to allow people to get jobs. It may not be the best paying job, but at the same time, it puts some money back into your pocket. So what states need to do, not necessarily the federal government, but what states need to do is to allow homeowners to federally bond or the federal government should allow uh, ex-cons to get federally bonded so that they can actually find places to live instead of having this roadblock up against them. Like this is a travesty in our country. Now you're really a second class citizen if you don't have the basic opportunity to find somewhere to live. Number two, I think that people or ex-cons should have is the right to education. Now, we can argue about how that's provided, but keep in mind when you have what is called long-term offenders, I was a long-term offender. I spent 17 years in prison. I got locked up at 17. I didn't get out till I was 35. Like I did a hell of a stretch. And the age that I went in, I really didn't know nothing. So by the time I came out, my education was a prison education. I w the world was foreign to me. One of the things that bothered me when I first got out was how fast everything was moving. It was hard for me to adopt to the world because how fast it was going. Like I was sitting in prison. I was laying on a bunk. I was going to play basketball. I was on a time schedule. My whole life was structured. So by the time I got to society, it was foreign. Everything had looked different. I didn't quite understand it. I couldn't grip it. And it was moving fast. But one thing I know I wanted to do was to get some type of education so that I can get back into the workforce. And one of the gravest mistakes that I made, and I'll be honest with you, one of the gravest mistakes that I made was getting a student, getting student loans, going back to school. And now I'm still paying off this debt. But I think personally that education should be something that the federal government and the states allow ex-cons to get into without having that burden of it being just that, a burden of having to pay money back that you haven't even, or don't even know how you're going to make it. You know, I think this is the, the sad part of our society is that once a person is out of these prison, they have nothing in place. Now, I will go back and say that the Trump administration with the first, um, the First Step Act, they have certain things in place. Like, I don't believe that the First Step Act went far, far and further enough. Like, it didn't incentivize states once people come home to do certain things to help these people make a, a smooth transition back into society. Like, for one, for where I'm from in Michigan, back in 1995, they took the Pell Grants away. At one point in time, a prisoner could go to school while he was in prison, and when he got out, he had an education. They got rid of it because of the backlash and the people in society crying about it, which is arguable. But at the same time, it's like, don't you want these people to come out and be successful? So they took that away. So once a person was released back into society, he had nothing to fall back on. So I think that the states and the federal government should work together so that ex-cons, when they come home, don't have that big burden if they want to go to school and get an education so that they can reintegrate back into society.
Another thing that I think that, especially since we're dealing with the nine-year standard that the federal, the Justice Department has put out there for uh, prisoners when they get home, is gun rights. Now, let's, let's keep in mind, I know that that's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Why should criminals have guns? Why should they have the ability to have the right to defend themselves? Think of it from that perspective. Why should they not have the right to defend themselves, especially if they can show and prove that that is what the purpose of that gun right is going to be? Why do we want to pick and choose what rights a person has once they return to society? That person, after the nine-year recidivism update that the Justice Department put out, should make a person qualify for it. They should be able to have their gun rights restored because after you do so long in prison, you don't want to go back. I mean, I can't argue for those that do go do seven months, go do 18 months because reality has not hit them hard enough. But those who are considered long term offenders, they should have that opportunity. I mean, why not? I mean, you think about myself like I'm a father. I'm married. I'm raising three stepsons. Like, why shouldn't I have that right? to protect my family from an intruder or, you know, if I'm out and about and somebody approaches me in a manner that I feel like they're threatening my life or threatening my daughter's life or my wife's life. So I think that this should be brought forth, you know, to the forefront about restoring prisoners' rights uh, to guns, especially after so many years, you know, and especially once again, if you can prove that you you deserve this right to be back in your possession. You know, they also, in some states, you don't have the right to vote. Like, why is that a crime? Why, why should a person who's been convicted of a felony back, go back into society, not have the right to vote? Don't you want everybody a part of the, the system? Believe it or not, depending on who makes the right pitch for it, we'll actually gain those votes whether you're Democrat or Republican, you will gain those votes or, or that becomes a voting block. Because keep in mind, we have over 2 million people that are, that are, that is in prison and the overwhelming majority of them are coming home. Don't think that, you know, just because a person's in prison, regardless of the time, most of them are coming home. If I'm not mistaken, over 95% of these people are coming back into society. So why wouldn't you want them as a voting block? You use everybody else. You use Latinos, you use the Jewish community, you use black people in general. You uh, put white people in different categories as voting blocks. So why wouldn't you want to use felons or people that's coming home from prison as a voting block, especially for something that's essential as gun rights? This should be something that you want to give people. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about, you know, the mass, you know, the, the mass murderer or the repeated offender armed robber. I mean, there's certain, there should be certain criteria that you meet in order to get your gun rights restored. But once again, if you're a long term offender, you should have that right, because chances are that person is not going back. He wants an opportunity. He or she wants an opportunity to make right what they did wrong. So this is something that we really should be thinking about. Another one that I think that is real important. And once again, I'm using this nine year follow-up that the Justice Department used. And I think that convictions should be sealed after nine years. I didn't say thrown out. 
I said, see it. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean. That after nine years, you should be able to petition a court and show them that I have not gotten any trouble whatsoever in the past nine years since I've been out. However, because I am a convicted felon, I'm still having problems with employment. I'm still having problems with housing. I'm still having problems with aid from the state to make it. I'm having a bunch of problems because of my felony conviction. But I've been out nine years, and this is the standard that the Justice Department has put out there. So can I have my conviction sealed? Because regardless of how long you've been out, like I have an uncle. He he went to prison in 1975. He got out in 1985. And still to this day, his criminal conviction is brought up anytime he fills out an application for a job. And that has made it hard for him. He's fortunate to have married a woman and she's been able to assist him over the years in finding an economic base. But can you imagine over 30 or 40, almost 50 years that your felony conviction still comes up, even though you have not gotten any trouble in over 40 years? Like, why does our society allow this to happen? You know, why is this something that we gloat in or appreciate when it comes to society, the only thing we're doing is making second class citizens. I would also argue, too, that certain felony convictions should not be sealed. Which ones do I believe? I believe those that involve the molestation or rape of a woman. My personal opinion, the reason why, because I don't believe nobody ever gets over that. I think that's something in them that they'll continue to keep doing. And I think that any employer or uh, homeowner should have that right to know that information. But if you have not been convicted of anything of that nature, then after nine years, you should be able to have your record sealed. And I'll put it out there even further to make people more comfortable with this idea. If you get in any kind of trouble after your record is sealed, then you can no longer have it sealed. I think that's a fair balance. You know, from this day forward, from the time you messed up once again, if after having your felony conviction sealed, once you mess up, it's, it's out there forever. Right. I think that that's a good bargain because there's a lot of people out here in society now that they would be highly successful if it wasn't for that felony conviction. So this is something that we really need to think about, because are we content with having second class citizens? Are we content with so many roadblocks being placed in front of people that they have no choice but to go back to their old lifestyle. Is this what we want or do we want to curve recidivism? Or do we want to make once regular citizens our society that again? Because if not, then the only thing we're doing is creating criminals. Yes, our society is creating criminals. Think about on the federal level, they have over 2,000 made up laws. Like you damn near can be convicted for anything on a federal level, right? Because they have more laws than the states do when it comes to criminal activity. So once again, we need to stop making criminals. And this is something that our politicians need to hear from us. Quit telling us what you're going to do for us and ask us. You'll get a better sense of your constituents in your districts or states that you're running in if you understand what we want. 
You know, I hear a lot of politicians, for example, run on uh, abortion. I think that's a very important issue, abortion. But that isn't my issue. Nah, me and my wife not having no abortions. So that's not something that's going to attract me to you as a potential voter. I think you need to target that base simply on that. But someone like myself who's been to prison, who desperately wants to be successful in this society, then come ask me about what do I believe you can do for me, whether it's on the local, the state, or federal level. Like, I will give shout-outs to uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms because she has been putting in place a lot of criminal justice reforms to where you can actually get a job for the city of Atlanta and not have to worry about your felony conviction. A lot of city jobs. With city jobs come good benefits, come health care, all that, a good wage. So you can have confidence that you can apply for a city job. I don't care if it's a street cleaner, uh, uh, water, trash. That's a decent job for somebody that's coming out of prison, especially to get on their feet. And when you think about it, who is going to go back to prison when they're making decent money weekly? The average person that goes back to prison, with the exception of a few, only goes back because of the roadblocks that were in place for them. If you live in a state or a city where the economy is horrible, then the chances are you being successful or even building a life that you can live off of is almost second to none. I was fortunate when I came home from prison, I ended up working at a car dealership. I started off as a, a body shop porter to a, when I left, I was working as accounts payable, accounts receivable clerk. But the thing about it was I met somebody. I knew somebody that got me this opportunity. And for a lot of other people that's coming home, they don't have those kind of opportunities. Nobody's going to be a, a, a Alice, a Alice Marie Johnson, where she's get up. She's got a part. Now she got a major book deal. She's touring the country, speaking, living the life that she can only imagine. The majority of people that's coming home, not going to have that opportunity or, or a Centoya Brown, you know, these, the average one is not going to have that opportunity. So therefore it's incumbent on the local, the state and federal government to work together to make sure that these opportunities are there. It can't just be in certain areas. A lot of states have been making progress when it comes to criminal justice reform. And what has happened is that they're leading the charge rightfully so and the federal government is falling behind on it. Because if you look at the, the First Step Act, a lot of stuff in there was good, but there wasn't enough information for people that's coming home that need that needs mental health, right? There wasn't there wasn't opportunities in the bill that provided uh, prisoners or ex-cons with education opportunities. Like those avenues weren't there. Housing. Once again, like I said, people need to understand that you can't get federally bonded for a job, but it should be for all the other fronts. Also, because what the federal bonding does, it allows employers to have some kind of safety net if this ex-con or this uh, convicted felon goes rogue and do something at the place of employment. They have some insurance. They don't have to really worry too, worry too much about nothing. But that same thing should be, be provided for housing and everything else. So what I plan on doing is really making a series of this because I think it's a, especially with this new administration, like their feet have to be held to the fire. Like they gave a well detailed plan 
when it comes to criminal justice reform. And they even talk about in the plan, which is to lift every voice, they talk about how they plan on incentivizing states to do more with criminal justice reform. And also, I think what they need to do also is quit acting like violent people that committed a violent felony is not coming home. Like the overwhelming majority, whether it's for murder or whatever, armed robbery, they're coming home. Chances are they're long-term offenders, though. They're going to do a lot of time. So once they're back into society, the same opportunity should be given to those that they love to just classify for uh, drugs. Like that's not the only thing that people go to prison for. On the federal level, it is, but not on the state. You know, most majority of people that get convicted of a violent crime end up in state in the state penitentiaries. Drugs and guns usually end up, end up in the federal penitentiary. So therefore, we need to stop having classes of felons. It's just it, you have a felon, regardless of whom or what. One doesn't look at the other as better or lesser. So these are some of the things that I think that needs to be instituted if we're going to have a better society. If we're going to stop discriminating against, you know, people based on the type of felony that they have once they come home. Once again, we need to highlight to make sure that housing is available for ex-cons, education, gun rights, concealment of convictions. So, you know, this is your boy. I'm just shooting a little information out there. I'm not going to hold y'all long. Be sure to uh Check out Middle Passage Media. That is my media company that I have. There's a lot of information that I provide daily with the news. You know, um, I try to make sure that we give balanced information when it comes to um, information, the news out there. Also, my weekly vlogs, blogs that I put out there. Make sure to check it out. Also, be sure to check us out on Libre TV. I just saw Master P talk about how black people um boosted up what is it called clubhouse to where they're valued now at a billion dollars come on now check out your boys check out your boys you know hey we trying to get there also i know my boy saw a g may not but i am but we created a platform for people to come on there and have their voice to have their voice because if you look at social media nowadays they're censoring everything so once again, check out leaveatv.co, sign up, and let's see what y'all are rocking with because we're trying to take this thing to the next level. If you go on Google, it's unlock your content. Well, that's the opportunity that we're providing for you to unlock your content. And also on Middle Passes Media, if you're a writer, if you have thoughts that you would like to put out there in the universe, email me and, hey, I'll bring you on the, uh, the, the site so that you can get your voice out there. You know, we provide opportunities for everybody. We unlocking content. And uh, that's how we doing it in 2021. We becoming self-sufficient. We're not worried about these big techs. We're not uh, are going to allow them to censor us and do that kind of crazy stuff. You know, we're taking this stuff in our own hands. So listen, once again, please subscribe, like, and comment. Also, the audio version will be up tomorrow on Apple uh, Podcasts iHeartRadio and Spotify. Please subscribe, like, and comment to the Brown Paperback Podcast, the Corrective Felon, and the Purple Pill Politics. Tomorrow, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Time Zone, Brown Paperback Podcast. Me and my boy Saul G will be bringing it back. That heat for y'all. Also on Wednesday at 7 o'clock, Purple Pill 
uh, politics. And every Saturday, uh, Comet Kang, I think that's how you pronounce it. My boy Saw G will be doing this live at seven. And once again, every Sunday at seven o'clock, you can tap in with your boy with the uh, Correct the Felon podcast. So as I always leave, everybody, I pray that y'all have a, a wonderful week. Tap into us. Y'all have a blessed day on purpose. And uh, just rock out with us. I hope this information was informative, inspiring, and, and mobilizing to y'all. Keep tapping in. We're going to keep doing this every week. Everybody have a blessed week. 100.